But uh, I'm very impressed. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, verse 14. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every support and ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Amen. I don't know if anyone's ever been to Barcelona. It's quite a popular tourist destination these days, isn't it? But if you go on one of those open-top bus tours around Barcelona, one of the most important stops is at the Sagrada Familia Cathedral, an incredible, massive cathedral near the city centre there in Barcelona. And it was designed by the architect uh, Gaudi. And building began in 1882. Now, when you think about Barcelona today, you think of obviously going over there on an airplane. The building of this cathedral, the Sagrada Familia, began before airplanes even existed. And people think about going to the beach in Barcelona, but the beach in Barcelona is actually man-made. So the building of, of this cathedral started before there was a beach in Barcelona. It started before Barcelona Football Club had been thought of or invented. 1882, the building commenced. But if you go there today on one of these open-top bus tours, you'll see that there's still cranes and there's still scaffolding at the cathedral because it is still being built. still being built. And the completion date is constantly being put back. It's now estimated it might be finished in 2026, 144 years from when it started. It takes a long time to build something beautiful. The designs are so intricate and so fantastic that it's taken that long to get it right. It's a long process to get things right. And sometimes maybe in our Christian life, be it as individuals or be it as a body, it feels a little bit like that, doesn't it? It's a long process of growth and of building to grow up into what God wants us to be. And that's what Paul is talking to the Ephesians about, about their growth towards unity, towards being united as a church, as a body, and also towards being mature. And that is a long progress, long process. We're all works in progress, aren't we? I know I am, and you'll say that as well, if you're being honest. You're not finished yet. The scaffolding's still up. God's, God's still molding you as an individual and you as Colin Glenn Christian Fellowship into something. He's still working on you. And sometimes it feels really slow. Now one day it'll be complete, won't it? We'll get to heaven. We'll be totally united. We'll be totally mature. But we're not quite there yet. And Paul is uh, exhorting the church here in Ephesus how to keep growing, to become more mature, as a body of Christ's people. And that's our desire, isn't it, as believers? We don't want to stop. We want to be on the move. We want to be growing all the time. So I just want us to see two things um, from these verses this morning. Uh, Verse 14, we see the first thing, and it's very, very simple. We need to grow up. We need to grow up. Children are brilliant, aren't they? It's great to see some kids here this morning. Children are brilliant. And Jesus loved children, didn't he? Suffer the little children to come unto me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And we're told to have faith like little children. We learn a lot from children, don't we? They're humble. They're innocent. They rely totally on their parents. And that's what we're to do with God, to rely totally on him. That's the nature of faith. But in these verses, 
Paul tells us that there's, there's some things that we don't want to be like children in. We don't want to mimic children by being ignorant or by being instable. Let me tell a wee story that hopefully will help, help us understand this. Children are gullible, aren't they? Children are gullible. I used to work in uh, St. Malachy's College. It's the school at the Carlisle Circus. Some of you maybe know it. I was a classroom assistant in there and I worked with year eights. And uh, I found out that you could tell the year eights anything and they would be- believe you. So I had this story. This doesn't reflect well on me, by the way. Um, it was basically lying. I had this story uh, that I used to tell the year eights in St. Malachy's that I had played football for Scotland at the 1998 World Cup in France. And I had this great story because my mum is Scottish, so <clears throat> there wouldn't have been an eligibility issue. I could, I could play for Scotland. Um, and I had this photo on my phone of like this guy in the Scotland strip who looked like very vaguely like me. And I would show them and I'd be like, I used to play for Scotland. I played in France 98 at the World Cup. I uh, got 3-0 by Morocco. I was gutted. Um, now, if, if I told you that, you'd be like, David, in 1998, you were nine years old. <laughs> And also you're rubbish at football. So there's no way that could be true. But these lads would believe it. Or some of them would anyway. Kids are gullible. They're easily taken in by things. And Paul is warning the church in Ephesus not to be like that. Don't be taken in by everything you hear. He's got this great image that's really easy to understand. Don't be like infants tossed back and forth by the waves. And blown here and there by every wind of teaching. And that's... Easy to understand, isn't it? You get blown this way, but whenever you hear one thing, and then you get blown the other way, and you start believing another thing because someone else has said it. (coughs) Blown this way and that by everything you hear. And that's happening all the time with Christians today. People who are believers, who have put their, their trust in Jesus, but they're on YouTube. And they're hearing this, and they're hearing that. And you can easily get blown this and that. And there's some good stuff on YouTube, isn't there? There's some stuff on YouTube that that is not true according to what God says. And people are getting blown this way and that by every wind of teaching. And your convictions, what you believe, depends on the last preacher that you heard or the last person you spoke to who told you something or the last video that you watched. I'm not trying to have a go at anyone. This this happened to me. And when I was at at college uh, studying English and uh, we were studying this... American philosopher uh, called Ralph Waldo Emerson. Don't look him up. What he has to say is not good. But I was 19. I was a Christian. But I was immature. And I found myself getting getting taken in by what this guy said. I remember I, I went uh, on Word and I typed out one of his quotes and I printed it off and I stuck it up on the wall. Because I was getting taken in by, by the winds of teaching, by, by what other people were saying. If we're going to grow as as Christians, we're going to look more like Jesus, aren't we? The marks of of that are the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. We'll be more loving, more joyful, uh, full of peace, self-controlled. But for Paul here, another mark of growing and being more mature as as a believer in Jesus is that we're solid in what we believe. We're not easily swayed. We smell a rat whenever we hear something you're like, that's not what I've heard in, in Colin Glenn Christian Fellowship. More importantly, that's not what I've heard from the Bible. And we've got to be careful, don't we? We've got to be careful. Paul calls these people cunning and crafty. He goes even further. He says that they're full of deceit. And there are people out there who want to lead us astray, 
who want to destroy our faith, who want to deconstruct what we believe so that we don't even believe the fundamentals of the gospel anymore. Jesus can easily be be molded into something that he isn't actually because people tell us things that are not true. And there's there's people in our in our context, in our culture, even even here in Belfast, who come alongside and at the start what they say to you, it might sound okay, you know, they use the, the same words, they believe in God. But the reality is they're teaching you stuff that is not what is the truth of the Bible. Maybe not wanting to talk about sin and, and the cross and those things, but just saying, oh, Jesus is just a good example to follow and leading us astray. And it starts off subtle, doesn't it? It says you can't really believe what the Bible says about certain issues. You can't really believe in Noah's Ark. And before you know it, your faith is being deconstructed and you don't believe the fundamentals of the, the Bible and the gospel anymore. We've got to be careful. We've got to stand on God's word. We've got to mature and be sure that we are standing on the rock and that this word is solid. Now, how do we avoid getting blown about by those winds? How do we avoid getting sucked in? Because as I said, it, it happened to me. It's, it's easy to get sucked in, isn't it? Whenever you hear, well, that kind of sounds similar to what I believe. Like they're talking about God and all. Well, for bodies to grow, remember Paul is talking not just about us growing as individuals, but growing as, as a body towards unity and maturity. For bodies to grow, what needs to happen? They need to get fed good stuff, don't they? Uh, Finn's just gone out there. I'm sure might has the same. They struggle to eat vegetables. They don't like to eat vegetables, kids. Sure, they don't. But they need to eat them. If they're going to grow, they need to be fed good stuff. Even whenever they start chucking them around the, the room and sticking broccoli to the roof and you're getting a carrot in the face, you need to fight that battle because for kids to grow, they need to be fed vegetables. And for you to grow as a body, you need a constant diet of God's word, don't you? In the church, it happens here on a Sunday. I know that you get good teaching every week. But you need it in your, in your own life at home too. You need to be taking your daily bread. You need to be reading God's word each day. And whenever we read God's word, we can be sure that it is the truth. What Dr. Such and Such says on YouTube may be good or may be bad. But whenever you read God's word for yourself, you can be sure, absolutely certain that that is the truth. That that is God speaking. And as we pray that the Holy Spirit will illuminate our ears and our eyes, we know that God is speaking through his word. We need sound teaching from the Bible. And I know that you get that here every week. And that's what anchors us in the storm. When the winds and the waves come and people say this, that and the other, you are grounded on the rock of solid Bible teaching, of hearing what God has to say. Now I know what I'm saying isn't very dramatic or glamorous or whoa you know we brought this visiting speaker and he told us basically that we need to read the bible and believe it (laughs) we need to get taught from the bible but there's no secret is there to grow to mature we need to be people of the word people who are listening to what god has to say and confident in it confident not only in the things that 
we all agree on that there is one God and, and he's Father, Son and Holy Spirit, but confident in, in what the Bible says about issues, confident in Romans chapter 1, confident in what God has to say. We need some convictions. We need to know what we believe and to stand on it if we're going to grow. You know, the Bible tells us that even the demons, even the devil believes in God. It's not that we say, I believe in God and I don't really need to to go too much deeper into it. We need to believe every word that the Bible says. And as we develop and we grow in maturity, that means that we will form convictions and we will hold on to them. We need to grow up. All of us. No matter how long we've been a Christian, no matter what stage we're at, we need to be like the Sagrada Familia, always building. Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 is, is a really key verse because uh, in our church as in yours, we need to keep in mind where we're going. Paul says this to the church in Colossae. We proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That's the aim, isn't it? We long to see people become Christians, come to faith in Jesus. And that's amazing. And when God does that, it's a miracle. Everyone here today who is a Christian, that is a miracle. You've been brought from death to life. But that's the start of the journey, isn't it? We want to see people mature and grow into mature disciples of Jesus. So that's the first thing from verse 14. We need to grow up. And then secondly, um, verses 15 and 16 here, we need to grow in truth and love. We need to grow in truth and love. And Paul here goes into a little bit more of the, the how we grow, how we grow to maturity and unity as a body. You might think I'm jumping around a bit between, is he talking about growing to be more mature or growing to be more united? The truth is that these things are, are inseparable, aren't they? If you're a mature church, you'll be a united church. <clears throat> Disunity or, or fighting or bickering is a mark of immaturity, isn't it? We've started a mums and tots in, in church, and there's, there's many things about it that are wonderful. But the reality is that the kids fight a lot. <laughs> they don't like sharing toys. They throw pancakes at each other. They fight a lot because that's a sign of immaturity. It's what you do when you're immature, isn't it? You fight, you disagree, you don't see the other person's point of view. You want to get your word in before they get their word in. A mature church is a united church. And in this this concoction of uh, unity and maturity, there's two key ingredients, two key elements. And you see them there in verse 15. Truth and love. Speaking the truth in love. We'll just talk a wee bit about how both of those matter a lot. We've already spoke there when we saw the need to grow up about the importance of holding to the truth, knowing what the truth is, that there is only one God, that man's relationship with him is is broken because of sin, and for that to be restored, the only way is to put our trust in Jesus, who took the punishment for that sin, who took the wrath of God, so that we could be forgiven and brought back into that relationship with our creator God that we were always meant to have, that we were made for. That's the truth. And much, much more besides and how that works out in our life. But doctrine matters. What we believe is important. Not just for 
our knowledge in our head, but for what we live out. The truth is to be something that is lived out, isn't it? That's a New Testament principle, that we believe the truth and then we live it out. So the truth really matters. If I truly believe that Jesus is resurrected from the dead, that he died, that he went into a tomb, and he came back after three days, that will impact everything about how I live my life, that I know that I too will rise from the dead one day. I will be full of joy. I will take it to other people. I will have perspective on life. The truth impacts everything about us. We need to hold the truth very, very tightly. We believe in the truth. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Let me be really clear about that. The truth matters. Not just that we believe in God in a vague way. What we believe really matters. The truth matters. But let me say this. A church with truth alone is not enough. That's what Paul seems to say here, isn't it? Speaking the truth in love. He doesn't drop those two words, in love. He doesn't say, instead, speaking the truth, we will, in all things, grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. He won't say, you'll grow in maturity and unity if you just believe the truth. He says, if you speak the truth in love, that's the goal. It's truth and love. A pastor said, said to me once, I find, I find uh, speaking the truth really easy. I find speaking the truth in love really hard. And at least he was honest. And we're all like that at times, aren't we? We, we? we can speak the truth. We can say, this is what I believe, and I'm right and you're wrong. But doing it in love is the hard bit, isn't it? Verse 16, Paul repeats this. This is how the body grows and builds itself up in love. And me and you all know people who we might agree with what they believe. If they wrote down their, their doctrine or their convictions on a bit of paper, you would say, yeah, that's, that's roughly what I believe. But how it is put across, harsh, cold, angry, it puts us off. No love. Truth and love belong together. Truth and love are best mates. They're not opponents. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. In Galatians chapter 5, what is the first fruit? What is the first evidence that someone has that Holy Spirit? The fruit of the Spirit is love. Truth and love from the same Spirit. And love, according to God, is, is not an abstract thing, is it? Sometimes we hear the word love thrown about in our culture, and it's a very airy-fairy thing. You know, I love you, I love this, I love that. What is love? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's written as a rebuke to the church because they think they're smart and they've got all these gifts and they're eloquent with their words. Paul says, if you don't have love, you have nothing. You're a clanging cymbal. Gung, gung, gung. You're a pain to listen to if you don't have love. Love is the goal. And what is love? It's not vague. It's not abstract. Love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It doesn't keep a record of wrongs. It hopes it trusts, it perseveres. And these are big questions for us as believers in, in a body, aren't they? Do we speak the truth? We need the truth. Especially in an age when people are saying, well, you've got your truth and I've got mine and let's just, let's just get on with it. Jesus says, I am the truth. I am the only way. We need the truth. But we need the truth in love. 
in love. And that's the challenge, isn't it? Do we really love one another? We're grounded on the truth. We're firm in the storms on that rock of the truth. But is there love? Paul begins and ends this chapter, Ephesians chapter 4, with love. Verse 2, he said, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. In love. It's interesting that, isn't it? Whenever Paul is saying to the Ephesians, here's how you grow as a church. Here's how you do church. He doesn't start with structure. He doesn't say that you get your pastor in place and then you get your elders. Um, you run a youth group. You prayer meeting on a Wednesday. Uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't start with that. It starts with love. It starts with character. How we, how we treat each other. And that's how we're going to grow up into the head. Look at uh, verse 15 with me. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. <clears throat> Ali has a, a cousin, he's now 16, he's a, he's a lovely kid, so much time with him. Um, and I knew him whenever he was a, a baby. And he was a very cute baby, but, and I would say this to his face, I'm not, I'm not trying to be nasty to him, he just had a massive head. He's really cute, but he just had a head that it kind of didn't fit him, if you know what I mean. It was just massive, right? I saw him last two weeks ago. And as I say, he's now 16. And do you know what? He doesn't have a massive head anymore because he's, he's grown up into his head. His body now fits his head. I said to him, your head's actually the same size now as it was when you were born. It's just the rest of you has grown. Do you see the picture? He has grown up into his head. And the same image is, is used here for the church. We grow up into our head. Our head is Christ. He is all truth. He is all love. John chapter 1 verse 14. He is full of grace and truth. And if we want to be like him, we've got to grow up into him. To fit him. He is truth. He is love. Unity and maturity. That is what we've been given, but it is also a goal. There's degrees of it, isn't there? We could be more mature. We could be more united. Not static things, but things that were growing and building. The scaffolding is still up. Verse 16 is, is a great picture, isn't it? From him the whole body, joined and held together by every support and ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Each part does its work. Square pegs are in square holes. You've got a gift with children, you work with children. You've got a gift on the sound, you work at the sound. You've got a gift with visiting older people, you visit older people. That's what we need, isn't it? People who are loving each other and recognizing, do you know what, that's not really what I'm gifted in. That person's actually more gifted in that than what I am. So let them work away and I'll find my gift and I'll serve in that way. Because we all affect each other, don't we? We all affect each other more than what we think. If I haven't read my Bible for a week, and then I come to church on a Sunday, I'm not in a great place, am I? I don't have as much to offer to the body. Now, it's, you still need to come, because they'll help you, and we, we pull each other along when we're struggling, don't we? But we affect each other way more than what we think. The growth of an individual and the growth of the body aren't, aren't separate things, are they? We work together. We, we grow together. Remember when I was a teenager, there was a, a, a team of friends who were all quite keen runners. I wasn't, so I wasn't invited into their team. But they, they formed a team to run, you know, the 
Belfast Marathon. You can do legs of the marathon. There was one guy who was a he was a gifted runner, but he was the laziest Hallian on the planet. He just didn't care. So uh, they were hoping to break a time or break into the top twenty or something. And this guy just he, ran, he turned up in like trackies with his phone in his pocket, and people were reporting that they'd received text messages from him while he was doing his leg of the marathon. He just didn't try. And then that night they all had a barbecue. And I, I wasn't invited to run the marathon, but I was invited to the barbecue. Don't know what that says. But uh, they were raging with him. They were raging with him. Because he hadn't pulled his weight. He'd, he'd let the team down. Now, if, if uh, we don't pull our weight, it's not that people are going to be raging with us or, or getting at us. But the point is this. His lack of effort, it affected the whole team, didn't it? It ruined it for everybody. We all affect each other more than what we think. And there's times when someone's really struggling and we gotta we got to drag them along with us and we got to help them out, carry each other's burdens, yeah. But if we're all looking to grow individually, that'll all feed into this idea of the body growing up into the head, which is Christ. We're coming into land here. I just wanted to, to encourage us that each of us has a gift. You have a gift in the body of Christ. Now, I, I know some of you is better than others, so I, you know, I, I know that someone clearly has a gift, and maybe if I don't know you that well, I don't quite know what your gift is, but God knows, <laughs> and God has given you a gift. In fact, more specifically, he's given a gift to this church, and he's given it through you. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? The gift is given to the church. And you're like the vessel that carries the gift to help the body, to build up the body, to edify the body. The greatest gifts are those that are most helpful to other people, that help the collective, that help the group. Imagine you have a gift for hospitality and you only ever cook for yourself. You've got the gift and you're... You're, you're trying to use it, but you're not using it to edify others. Gifts are given to edify and to help others. As each part, as it says here, does its work. We all need to serve. We all need to grow. We all need to mature. How dysfunctional would a body look if it had a two-year-old's hands but adult feet? It looks weird, doesn't it? <clears throat> the whole body is meant to grow together so that we become mature. Now, as I said before, coming here is always a huge encouragement um, for me. I really mean that. Um, You just have something very special here. There's a warmth. There's a kindness. There's a joy. Let me encourage you to to keep at it. To keep at it. Where are we going? Where do you want to go as as a fellowship? You want to be more committed to the truth, I'm sure. You want to know the truth more and better. You want more love. You want to be more united. You want to be more mature. And there's no secrets of how you get there, is there? You're rooted and grounded in the truth. You're growing up into the head, which is Christ, by knowing the Bible, by trusting the Bible, by being rock solid on what Jesus has to say, by serving together, by eating together, crying together, laughing together, and being more like Jesus together. That is how we live a life worthy of our calling, as Paul said in this chapter earlier on. We love God, we love the truth, and we love the body. Let's pray together.